guys, it's Grace here, your host of the Because Why Not podcast. And I want to share with you that today is a very exciting day because it's the first podcast that I am interviewing a friend on, a dear friend. And my goal and dream for this podcast has been to include um, many of the wonderful people in my life who have so many different interests and experiences and things that they're involved in and things that they can contribute. So today I'm really excited because we are going to talk with my dear friend, Rainy Darling Del Judas, um, who is just an amazing human being all around and, um, is going to talk to us about a recent experience she had health-wise, which I think will really resonate, especially with um, busy moms and also busy dads, because the lesson here is really going to be about, um, you know, not letting stress get the best of us and, you know, taking good care of ourselves for ourselves and for our family. So, um, I am going to get Rainy on here. I'm so excited for our conversation. She is really one of my all-time favorite people, so I know you'll enjoy it. Okay, talk to you soon. Hi, are you here? I'm here. Hello. Hello. I'm so so glad that this is working and that you're here. <laughs> Welcome to the Because Why Not podcast. Thank um, you. So, I'm so happy to be here, Gracie. Yay! Thank you. Well, I just did a little intro to tell everyone um, who you are a little bit, but I um, am going to say a little bit more, which is that um, we have Rainy Darling Del Judas joining us here from New Orleans, Louisiana, her hometown. And um, actually, you live right outside of New Orleans across the Lake Pontchartrain, right? You got it. And um, and so Rainy and I met in 2009 or 2010 in Durham when um, my husband, Maddie, had a wine bar called Six Plates Wine Bar. And Rainy um, met Maddie and became friends with Maddie first before I even knew Rainy because she and her girlfriend stumbled upon this wine bar and, of course, made friends with the new bartenders. How'd you do? <laughs> so um, then Maddie decided Rainy and I needed to be friends. And that was so great that that happened because we became fast friends. And the rest is history, right? And it's been a long time now. Yes. So you've been back in New Orleans for a while now, like six or seven years. I have. Yes. I moved back here. I was, you know, loving my life in Durham. Um, but, you know, the city of New Orleans has an 87% retention rate for its residents. So this girl <laughs> had to get back home. <laughs> That's hilarious. I never knew that statistic. That is a true but you were, you were statistically bound to return to New Orleans. <laughs> I was. I was. Oh I miss uh, New Orleans, as the song goes, so I had to get back. And there wasn't enough live music on the streets of Durham, North Carolina for you. I always <laughs> remember that. 
Um, definitely it, said that often, and I'm, I'm sorry that your often. ears had to hear it, but yeah. No, it's good because, <laughs> you know, if it hadn't been for you in my life, I wouldn't have ever visited New Orleans or not in the way that I have come to visit it and have a relationship with it. And I'm so thankful for that because I think I came down to visit you for the first time in 2000. I don't remember, honestly, but I know that the first time I came, I was 10 weeks or even like, yeah, 10 weeks pregnant with Than. And so that's a really funny way to visit New Orleans for the first time. I was <laughs> going to bed at like eight o'clock, right? But I was excited about eating all the croissants in the morning. Yes. Well, <laughs> I love, it. I love <laughs> it. And I've like really grown to love it through you and Maddie and I have come and of course, we came to your absolutely stunning wedding and we, I brought the boys down last October just to see you and your precious one, Luca. And, and so really it's become a part of, um, yeah, of our lives. And I swear I'm going to let you do some talking, but I just want to say that Rainy is an incredible friend and wife and mother um, and healthcare provider and just all around amazing, hilarious, fun, good time gal. And like just the woman that every woman wants in their life. I mean, she really is a true friend and such a um, loyal and loving presence. And I'm so, I'm so happy to have you as my first friend guest. And also that we can talk about something that happened to you, which is so significant and and I think will also really resonate with a lot of um, women especially but anyone who is working hard as a mom and kind of just going on living their life and then something happens and it really stops you in your tracks so um, I'm wondering if you will start rainy darling by telling us a little bit about, um, you know, your medical background and what your career path has been, because it's so interesting that uh, your career path has been what it was and that then we're going to talk about um, this issue that you had with your heart. So will you start by telling us about your career? Sure. Um, I am a registered nurse by training and I started working in pediatrics and a general hospital float pool, meaning I was a pediatric person if they had enough pediatric patients in the hospital. And if not, I floated to all departments of the hospital. And that led me to want to specialize. I'd always been interested in cardiology and I was given the opportunity to take a job um, in New Orleans. I was working outside of New Orleans when I first started. So um, I was given an opportunity to work at, you know, the big hospital in New Orleans as the pediatric cardiology lead nurse of their clinic. And so I embarked on that. And when I was there, a physician arrived who is a subspecialist of pediatrics called electrophysiology, which is heart rhythm disorders. Everybody pretty much falls asleep in the middle of hearing the name electrophysiology, <laughs> even cardiologists do. Um, I think probably it took about 10 years into my career before 
my mom and dad really knew what I was doing. And um, <laughs> it definitely took my husband a couple of years to get it. We would practice his response, you know, about what I do because it, it is a niche in, in cardiology. It's grown, but it's, it's rather small. <laughs> that's so funny. And that's okay. Cause my sister and I always joke that my mom still doesn't know what my sister does for a living. And she's been out of college for 25 years. <laughs> yes. It happens. Yeah, sometimes it's just hard for our parents to grasp. But yeah, so this is a niche market that you're yeah. talking about. It is, it's small, especially in pediatrics, you know, it's not as small in adults, um, but it's a new ish, you know, um, subsect of cardiology. Anyhow, this, this electrophysiologist arrives and I always say, I asked too many questions and I was the only person who listened to his answers. Um, and so he asked me to be the pediatric EP nurse, um, which means we specialized in pediatric patients who had heart rhythm abnormalities of all sorts. These are patients with um, what we would call normal hearts or patients that were born with congenital defects and they had arrhythmias as a result of their congenital defects. Um, it was a fantastic job for me because I feel like there's not a lot of chance in healthcare to really cure patients. And for our, our patients who had normal hearts, with no congenital, defect, congenital defects, we were able to bring into our procedural lab and cure them of their heart rhythm disorder. And wow. Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, those after that one year of follow-up to be able to look at a family and a child and say, your heart's normal. You have no more arrhythmia. You don't have to come back to see us ever again. We miss you, but we don't want to see you again because you're fixed. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. It was so wonderful. So I started in, in that and that's kind of what led me down a path into medical industry and medical technology and devices. So I worked in pediatrics for several years and then I decided that I wanted to do some travel nursing, which I'd always wanted to do. And when I was a new nursing grad, my idea of travel nursing was to go to Hawaii or go to San Francisco, Manhattan, mm -hmm. where have you, and just live out my travel dreams and work at once. Um, but I was more practical minded for a while and didn't do my traveling until sort of later in my career. And at that point decided that I wanted to work at a, a sort of resume building um, institution and found myself at Duke, which is where I met Grace Beeson. And, um, <laughs> and so exciting. I thought you were going to talk about um, landing in, hoping for Hawaii, landing in Birmingham. Somehow I missed the, where was the Birmingham in there? Cause well, you did live there. I lived in Birmingham. So I went to nursing school in Birmingham and right. then okay. let's see, I went to nursing school in Birmingham, moved home. And then I was in a relationship that brought me back to Birmingham. That's right. And yeah. when I left that um, relationship was really sort of, it was sort of, he was, um, he, was the, he was a raw vegan. He was raw. He was raw. <laughs> raw. I was like, how can a person only eat raw foods? Yeah. And you were like, yeah, well, that relationship ended, Grace. Yeah. Well, also my dad and my sister are both 
wonderful chefs and to bring someone into the household that can't eat anything that's been heated over 113 degrees is a real jab to your family okay it's just really not gonna work when he asks for a carrot stick it's just not gonna work it's not it's a real slap in the face and um so that didn't work um you know <laughs> so hilarious about that that relationship yes he was a raw vegan number one number two i've been listening um to a podcast about the the sorted lives of musicians and there was one about Gigi Allen and I was listening to that one with my husband and he said how did you know about Gigi Allen you like you 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 don't you know you're like kind of pure and in, in all all sorts of ways but uh-huh. I said well that was my ex-boyfriend the raw oh. vegan so the he was a, a, a unique character that one who's Gigi um, Allen real quick is that oh, like blue oh. what is it He's pretty much indescribable, but probably, I, I, I don't even, it might make my day too dark to talk about him. He's a, oh, um, we won't talk about it, but he's a musician. He's, he's a musician, a... yes. And okay, he, okay, he okay. has some major um, mental health, Google him, Grace, oh. Google him. Oh, okay. Well, and, we'll leave him on the shelf with the old boyfriend in Birmingham. What's that? I said, we'll leave him on the shelf with the old boyfriend in Birmingham yes, for now. And I, I'm sad to say that I'm the person who introduced Gigi Allen to your life. So I'm that person to you now. So <laughs> That's hilarious. I don't know if I'm going to go down that road and listen to that today. Um, yeah. I need to keep that positive. I heard there's a new really empowering Kelly Clarkson song out there. So that may be my go <laughs> That's your jam today. Yes. <laughs> Okay, but so you you were back in Birmingham that the relationship ended and you then were looking for the resume building um, institution. And so you were offered a job at Duke. I was, yes. Okay. That's exactly how it goes. And um, so I put my dog Chancho in my red Volkswagen GTI and uh-huh. whatever fit in there. And I showed up at my prearranged housing housing situation. Um, oh, facing- which was the worst, by the way. I'm so sorry about that. I drive by that often, and I think Rainy came here with her dog, didn't know a soul, and ended up living off the highway. It was terrible. I'm so sorry. Yes, and it was a life lesson learned. If you have the chance, do not choose the housing facility that has a sign facing the interstate that says free rent. First month free. <laughs> so. Lesson learned. Life lesson learned. Okay. We're giving out all the gems and the jewels today. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> all the life says first month free. Okay. Yes. Okay. So circling back, so I'm working at Duke. Um, I am a Southern, uh, New Orleans Southern, which I think is different than Southern person, working in a facility where the staff is not very happy with their jobs. They are from like usually New York and New Jersey. So my personality and my talking um, to them was off-putting. But I broke through and it was me and a a fantastic 
homosexual male nurse named Freddie, and we just crushed it. We wore Mardi Gras. Oh, I need him to be my friend. Oh, okay. gosh, Freddie. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he was, um, he was, you know, just a life changer. And, you know, yeah. we just worked fantastically together. So anyway, just to kind of move that All along, right. I was there at Duke and uh, spent a lot of time sitting at Maddie Beeson's bar um, eating dinner and uh, sipping wine and really you know making myself one of the quote-unquote unofficial mayors of Durham because I met almost everyone um, because I was there chit-chatting it up and getting to know everybody. You really did become the person who, when we would be out and about in town, that you did know everyone. I mean, you you and my husband, between you and my husband and your shared friend, our shared friend, Jeffrey, you would walk around and wave your hands like the Queen of England, like just saying hello to your people everywhere. And it was so fun. But people, people gravitate towards you. So, I mean, that's but. I still see people around town whose names I don't know or I vaguely remember, but it's that they were your friends or acquaintances when you were here. Aw, that's fantastic. It's true. Just like sprinkled all over town. Um, anyway. Oh, memory yeah. lane. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Which, by the way, I am committed to coming to visit you. This is an aside. I will see you soon with Luca. With Luca and Oh, anywhere Luca, I mean, anywhere Luca is, I'm going to be there. We were, we're going to get to Luca because we need to talk about Luca, but we will go way off course if we get on to Luca because I am minorly slash majorly obsessed with your son. So, okay, we know, that. We know I love the little boy, but I mean, oh my God, Luca. So anyway, we're here in Durham. We're single. We're working. We're like living the life. No yeah. kids. It's out and about. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, going for it and having a blast. I mean, there was something about the anonymity of a town, you know, in a, a, an area of the com- country where I had never lived that I just was, you know, feeling this freedom. I'm in my thirties and I was just really the time spent in Durham in addition to the friends that I made is, was an essential essential part of my growth and development and learning and coming to know who I was and who I wasn't and all of these things. So that's so great. It was, it was a beautiful thing that the universe drove me there. There were times when I questioned what I was doing there, but I know finally that it was fantastic. So yeah. And it helped you figure out too that you wanted to be back home. Right. It did. It did. And it, you know, it was a few things. One, now I am very affirmed in knowing this decision, but seeing my friends like who were there and raising families and they weren't near their parents or their extended families thinking, mm-hmm. I don't know how they're surviving like this, you know, where where I come from, you know, everybody yeah. is within you know for example my mom her sister and brother and my cousin all live within six blocks of one another in downtown Covington so like where I come from it's truly the village is present you know 
Um, and so seeing people raising their families without having that exact support system that they had something different and something fantastic and beautiful it was um, just told me that I said I need to get back home if I intend to you know be able to start a family and and I need that support system and and I miss the music on the streets and I miss you know Mm -hmm. the grit of the city so um well that all makes total sense I mean it's so wise really to be around family when you have children if you can if that's available to you and you love your family and want to be with them but also New Orleans is of course you know for anyone who's been there knows that it's such a unique place and there's just nothing like it and so there's no question that if that's in your spirit and your soul that you've got to go back there so you got to be that 87%. So yeah, you, you got yourself a little bachelorette pad in the quarter and that was heaven. I did. And, um, you know, just to sort of segue into another reason that Durham was necessary was that's where I was offered my first job in the medical device industry, which was, oh, my, which was my, you know, career goal. You know, my, my first doctor looked at me and said, I'm going to teach you as though you're a cardiology fellow and you're going to go through life and then you're going to get a job working for Medtronic. And then, you know, your life will be great. And at 20s, my early 20s, I said, fine, I'll do that career path. And so um, I didn't get my job with Medtronic, but I got a job with St. Jude Medical, which um I now do work for Medtronic and we'll talk about that. But so I got into the medical device industry. I followed my career path and, um, what does that mean, Randy? medical device industry. Mm-hmm. It's a broad term. Yes. And for me specifically in cardiac rhythm disorders, it means pacemakers, defibrillators and products related to any heart rhythm management procedural products. Um, for that. So my job with St. Jude meant I was helping um, program pacemakers and defibrillators and assisting when physicians were implanting them in patients. Um, I also did 3D cardiac mapping for patients who had heart rhythm abnormalities. We would map out the heart and determine the exact spot where the heart rhythm abnormality was originating from. And then we would use catheters to apply radio frequency energy to that spot to get rid of the, the arrhythmic, what we call focus, which is causing the arrhythmia. We'll stop here because that can get, um, it can get boring (laughs) if you're not doing it. Okay. So that, that got you into your career working with those devices and that was, through St. Jude and that was here, but then you took a job with St. Jude that got you to New Orleans. So you could continue your career path there. Exactly. You got it lady. And yeah. And then I, you know, I had always, I tried to move around to different areas of the city of New Orleans when I had lived there before leaving to go off to Birmingham and Durham again. But uh, the French quarter was one that I had not hit up yet. So I got (laughs) um, an apartment right on the corner of the French Quarter and the Treme, the historic Treme district, and really 
went into living my best life in a whole other phase being there and um, fell in love with the city even more deeply and um, so our love affair is is solid it's locked in (laughs) (laughs) that's great and so you continued you have continued this career and you um, got you know lived your best life as a you know, single person dating around and all that. But fast forward, you ended up falling in love with a man from Baton Rouge. I did. I met him. I met him on Tinder. Tinder. My my neighbor swiped right. (laughs) You're what'd you say? My neighbor swiped right. My, my neighbor, he was um, an anesthesiologist who lived right next door. Um, And I'll just say this as a clarifier, not, of much consequence, but he is a heterosexual male who would mm-hmm. get on my tender and try to choose, you know, just pick out reasonable people. And he liked my husband's hair and the fact that my husband had a cool Dylan quote on his tender profile. So he fell into my swipe right bin. <laughs> That is amazing. I've never heard that story. I do know about the heterosexual cardiologist neighbor and how you work out early in the morning and like hang out and stuff. And also your husband has absolutely amazing hair. So that's great. He's got that thick. He is a real live Italian man, like family from New York. The Bronx. Yeah, the Bronx. I totally watered down his genetic, you know, progeny. Um, he was a hundred percent Italian. <laughs> and, he, and I am a mutt of mutts. I mean, I think it's beautiful, you know, I'm a street blend, but my husband was a hundred percent. And that uh, he was, you know, Luca really, I mean, Luca's really looking Italian with that hair. I mean, oh. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about that. It's all good. You guys had a hard and fast love affair relationship. You got married. You got after it. And you created this beautiful life across the lake and got pregnant, like on your honeymoon or just when you got back. Okay. And had a baby and had this beautiful son. So this all happened within like two years. Oh yes. We were the accelerated program of, of uh-huh. adulting. Um, and in the midst of that, we bought land to build a house. We designed a house. We decided not to build a house. We bought a house. We moved, you know, we, um, we did all the things. I mean, um, until the little episode that you and I are going to talk about, you know, I kept saying to Mike, I said, well, we've had all the major changes except for, you know, health scares. And uh, you shouldn't say those right. kinds of things. Right. You fell in love, you met, you planned a wedding, you had a wedding, you dealt with a pregnancy, you had a really blissful pregnancy, which made me so happy for you because, you know, I always say anyone who wants to be a mother so much as much as you wanted to be a mother as much as I wanted to be a mother anyone who wants to be a mother that much deserves to be a mother and it's so 
beautiful when that happens, but also the fact that you were able to enjoy your pregnancy made me so happy for you. But then, you know, you have a baby. It's a, like, there's just a lot that happens at once and having a new marriage, having a new baby, having a new house, blah, blah, blah. And I remember you saying everything's happened except for something related to health. And it was just like, oh my God, knock on wood. Like it's enough already. Yeah. Um, so you guys are kind of moving along smooth sailing. I mean, as much as we can be smooth in our first year of marriage and baby, whatever, we don't need to get into all that, but y'all are happy. Everything's great. You have a gorgeous boy who we'll talk about Luca a little bit later again, because I will get off track. Let's talk about, let's, you know what let's do? Let's take a quick break and we'll hop back on and let's get into what happened to your heart. And we'll talk about what happened and why you think it happened and sort of what we can do as women and mothers to look out for signs of um, stress and things taking over our bodies. Does that sound good? That sounds fantastic. Let's do it. All right. We'll do a little break and we'll hop back on. Okay. When it comes to choosing a product that's better than the rest, just one label matters and it's Brandless. Brandless believes in making better products more affordable and accessible to everyone. Why sift through hundreds of brands at the big box stores only to pay a premium for disappointing quality? Brandless cuts out the middleman to deliver just what matters. More options you care about, like high-quality products with pronounceable ingredients, all at simple, fair prices. Brandless has been so good for me and my family because we can save money, get items that we need, that we want, that we love, and with a house of... Three hungry boys plus me, we need all the help we can get with keeping the pantry and the refrigerator and the cupboards full and not breaking the bank. So we love Brandless. It is easy to use. The customer service is great. And Brandless offers better options for the things you care about, not just the price. They have organic, fair trade, non-GMO, gluten-free, and vegan options, which we love. Bakeware made of professional-grade aluminized steel by a family-owned company in the USA. Premium diapers, organic baby foods, and protein-first pet treats. Cruelty-free beauty and personal care without the 400-plus questionable ingredients in other brands. Brandless offers better-for-you items at a better price shipped directly to you. They've cut out the unnecessary middleman costs of traditional retail. You get higher-quality products at a more affordable price, all without having to leave your home. Brandless gives back and gives you a better way to join them. Every time you check out at Brandless, they donate a meal to someone facing hunger. They provide millions of meals a year this way through their partnership with Feeding America. That's the nation's largest domestic hunger relief organization. Oh, and such an important cause that I stand behind and that I'm involved in in our own community here. Call to action. Here we go. Right now, my listeners can receive free shipping on orders of $48 or more at Brandless. That's free shipping, my friends. Go to brandless.com forward slash listen and receive free shipping on orders of $48 or more. Don't wait a second longer. Go to brandless.com forward slash listen and receive free shipping on orders of $48 or more. So you can enjoy the high quality products that you deserve today. Brandless. 
Hi. Okay. We're back. So tell, tell us um, what happened. This is just about a month or six weeks ago. What happened? It was. So um, I, um, I uh, do have a child that his sleeping is irregular and I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not one of those people whose kid sleeps 12 hours through the night blissfully. And I put him to bed. Mm-hmm. And then we wake up and start our day. Um, mm-hmm. And so how old is the precious child? This precious child is 18 months. 18 months of squishy, gorgeous, dark, curly hair, joyful, amazing wonderment. <laughs> I mean, Luca. Okay, I'm, I'm blushing and beaming, and I'm going to withhold <laughs> the words because I won't stop if I start. Um, I know, you know <laughs> I know. Rainy says, "I'm so in love with my child," and I say, "I know you should be." I mean, we all are, and it's just that feeling of the way you love your boy. I relate to that so much. You know, I do, and. um yeah, just love your boy that much too. So anyway, he is 18 months and you, he has a little bit of erratic sleeping, but he's mm-hmm. got a great, um, head of hair, head of hair. Thank you. <laughs> and he's got a great, he's an amazing head of hair. He has a great disposition. Oh yeah. He's okay. awesome. I mean, he's, he doesn't act like a kid who, you know, likes to sometimes have little, you know, parties at wee hours in the morning and stuff, you know, but he's had a great attitude. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, we had done one of our little morning bouts where I think maybe around five o'clock he wanted me to hang out with him. And then we fell back asleep and, um, you know, we were doing a little co-sleeping action and we're all asleep and I was laying on my side next to him and I felt what I would call a flip-flop. I just felt a little blub blub, you know, when I lay on my left side, I've sometimes felt that before because your heart shifts in your body and, you know, that's like normal. And also little extra beats are normal. So I felt it and thought, oh, it's one of those, no problem. Then I snuck out of bed to get ready for work. And as I was getting ready for work while I was standing, I felt another little blub blub and um thought to myself you better not have a fib girl ha 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 which is you know a, a person in heart rhythm disorders that is a funny joke to kind of say to yourself but a- what is a fib yeah yeah a fib is called atrial fibrillation um it's really one of the the largest plagues in in cardiology right now because what happens is the atrium so you have the four chambers of your of your heart the top two are your atria the bottom two are your ventricles and your atrium starts beating very erratically and very fast when you have atrial fibrillation and some people feel when that happens and some people don't and the way to feel when it happens is normally when those really fast beats from the top are able to work their way down to the bottom parts of your heart called the ventricles. And if the ventricles start beating fast in response to the top beating fast, that's usually when people will start to feel symptoms, um, feel their heart racing. They may feel dizzy or lightheaded or fatigued. Um, But only about a third of patients actually feel when they're in atrial fibrillation. 
Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's a scary thing because when you're in atrial fibrillation, you could form clots in your atria that then can break off to be strokes. And um, so the scary wow. part of the rhythm is that you can be in it potentially and not know and be at risk of stroke, you know, and other, you know, cardiac related problems. You can start having heart failures and, and all these things. So that's the skinny on AFib in, in a few short sentences. So, when so if I, you don't know that it's happening, it can cause strokes. It can cause all these things to happen. So really, is it kind of the luck of the draw that, that some people feel it? Or is it that you think that you recognized what it was, what that little flip-flop was because you know about the heart? What do you think? Well, no, I find that patients are, if they're even slightly aware to their body processes, can kind of feel, you know, if they're going to feel it, they will feel it. It's not because I'm in EP that I felt my heart flip flop, you know, it's okay. because I was, I'm slightly aware of like my body. I'm less aware right now as a mom, which this is part of what we're talking about today, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm less in tuned and less attentive to myself and the signals that my body gives me right now because I'm entirely engrossed in another, two other humans, really. I mean, my husband and my child, um, but my child, obviously, being that he needs me the most, you know, mm-hmm. I'm very engrossed and absorbed in, in his body, <laughs> like have him, yeah. all, you know, from head to toe, he's cataloged yeah. in my mind, but from, for right. me right now, I'm not, you know? Um, well, and that's what happens, right? I mean, we know as moms, every single movement at, we can anticipate anything that's happening with our child because our eyes are on them all day or whatever it is. I mean, we're just so in tune with them and it's so easy to lose track, especially during those first few years of what's happening with us. So I think, um, yeah, I, am not surprised to hear you say that you have been feeling like you're not as in touch with your body, but it's so great that you recognize that flip-flop and thought this is something's happening here. Well, I mean, I thank you for, you know, the accolades, but I really, I thought it and kept going, you know, I didn't think anything else after it. And, um, we also do that. I think as women, like, Oh, this could be that I'm having a rupturing ovarian cyst, but I've got to go pick up, you know, groceries. Like we charge on, like we are not going to stop our day because we think there's something wrong with us. It's just not the way we are. Yeah, exactly. And and that's what I hope to sort of, now that I've been through this, it's like, we can't do that, you know, and, and, and we're kind of, it's not that we're proud or braggadocious of it, but it's something that as moms, as new moms and as women, we can relate to, like, I'm too busy for, for me, I've got other things to do and we can relate in that regard and kind of laugh about it and go on. But we can't, we can't do it because if the mothership goes down, <laughs> like exactly, so goes well, the rest. So curious, and yes, and and so that's really, 
that's been your awakening through this is like the mothership can't go down. Mm-hmm. So what what happened? You thought to yourself, this I hope this isn't happening. This better not be happening, but I'm gonna go about my day. Exactly. And I I get in the car, I sneak out, Luca's still sleeping, everything's good. I'm driving. I have to drive across the Causeway Bridge to go to work. So that's about a 25 minute, 20 minute, you know, part of my commute. But all in all, my commute is about an hour. And I'm talking to my dear friend, Courtney, to which we talk on our commutes every day. And as I was getting to the end of the Causeway, I said, you know, I feel kind of woozy, Court. Like something's not right. And, um, I don't know what it is. And so she said, well, you should get checked out when you get to work. Cause I was heading to do a case at um, one of my accounts. And so I said, okay, yeah, you know, but we kept talking and I thought I probably won't get checked out. Cause I just felt a little woozy. I don't feel anything else. And then I get to the hospital and I walk up a flight of stairs and I cannot breathe. Okay. And I am not in my peak performance right now when it comes to, you know, cardiovascular tolerance, but I know I can walk up a flight of stairs without being completely winded. And I told her, I said, I have to go. I can't talk to you and walk at the same time um, and breathe. All of those things. happen. Yeah. So she's like, please go get checked out. So I said, okay, okay. So I get to where my procedure is going to happen. And I was kind of walking around a little bit because I didn't really feel that bad. That had stopped with the shortness of breath. And I was like, do I cause a scene? Do I ask them to hook me up? I don't want to put anybody in a position. So I did, I walked into the lab that I was going to be working in and asked one of the nurses, I said, can you please just hook me up? Something feels not right. She's like, okay, hooks me up. And my heart rate at that point is 185 to 205 beats a minute, Um, which a normal high heart rate for someone would be 220 minus my age. Like that would be actually my like max peak heart rate, heart rate. So if I were exercising. Minus your age. So you were, oh, if you were exercising. So you were like tw- 20 or 30 higher than you should have been? I was, let's see, if I was uh, 185, so, and I'm 140. So I was five beats over what I should have been if I was like crushing it in exercise. And I was just sitting there. And um, it, I was going up to be about, yeah, about, even higher than that to in the 200s, which a heart rate in the 200s is not compatible with life because you will start to have some heart failure, you know, if you were to maintain that, that heart rate. So, um, I see it. And at that point you can't tell exactly what kind of arrhythmia it is because it's so fast. Um, and we grab my, my now I can actually call him my doctor um, <laughs> because I now have a, an EP doctor. Um, but I used to call him my doctor because he was a doctor that I worked with and for. Um, so we grab my now my doctor Morin in and he says, let's do an EKG. And at that point I had slowed down to about 113 beats a minute, but you could see that my heart rate was irregular and that I was in what we were discussing as atrial fibrillation. So he looked at me and said, 
okay, you're going to need to go to the ER. We need to do um, what's called a transesophageal echo, and we need to do what's called a cardioversion, which means they needed to sedate me and put a big camera probe down my throat to look in my heart and make sure that I didn't have any clots in my heart. And then, like, kind of shocked me like they do on the movies, you know, except it's not as dramatic, you know, but they put the stickers, you know, the pads on my chest and on my back. And they had to, you know, while they had me sedated, shock my heart to reset it to get it back to a normal sinus rhythm. So he says that to me and I just bust out in tears. I mean, I have. And I have seen hundreds of people have that echocardiogram, that TEE that I mentioned. And I would stand out there and say, I hope to God I never have to have one of those done. Because, yeah, they look kind of traumatic. And um, I was very fortunate that it wasn't traumatic for me. I had a really fantastic CRNA nurse anesthetist who just took care. Everybody took amazing care of me because I've been working in this hospital for so long since I was in my twenties, I just, I don't know if they do it to everybody, but I just felt like, you know, tremendously cared for you, but you literally, I mean, that's incredible. You literally went from going into work to going and getting your heart shocked back into normal range. Yep. Mm -hmm. Like without being able to say, Mike, can you get over here and hold my hand or without being able to do anything? Like, did you literally go to to a room and do this? Well, no, it was not. I mean, excuse me. He told me I needed to go to the ER and do that, but there was a process. I called Mike, you know, um, he came over, he, um, was there, you know, waiting while I had it done, which it was early afternoon because they put me on some medications that slowed I see. Yes. So it wasn't like there are some arrhythmias that you need to get shocked out of, you know, which would be called like a ventricular tachycardia. That would be if I were in that rhythm, they would have had to just shock me immediately because that can degenerate into something that's life threatening. But this you have a little bit more time. You can medicate and and, you know, shock, you know, on your your schedule. Because a lot of people live, Grace, in atrial fibrillation and they just have that response rate managed where their heart isn't, you know, ticking away at a gazillion beats a minute. So you can live in it and manage it. So that's a whole, it's it's a complicated heart rhythm disorder. But um, in my case, yes, Mike was able to come. Well, that's good. I mean, no less traumatic. I mean, this is incredibly stressful and traumatic, but they put you on something to kind of settle it down. And then you were able to call your husband and you went to the ER and they had to do the procedure. Yes. Yes. And I cried. I started, I mean, he looked at me and told me that we had to do that. And I was like, that's what we do to our patients. I know, I know how it goes, but that means you're telling me I'm a patient right now. And, um, that changed things a lot. Um, and then my mind went to Luca immediately. Um, my mind went to a place of fear with regard to stroke. Um, my mind went to thoughts of being on chronic medications. Um, the fear of if I would go back into this rhythm, would I know, Um, you know, so you just go 
to all of these places. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it's important for me to share with everyone and chime in and say that, Rainy, you're a very healthy person. You're not um, overweight. I mean, everyone has, um, of course, there are things they want to change about their body. But I want to say you're a petite person. You are not overweight. Sure, you may have five or 10 pounds you, you know, argue with from time to time through the years, but you're a non-smoker. You eat so healthfully. You take care of your body. You exercise. You drink like a reasonable human being, alcohol, I mean, like you're you're a very, um, I've always found you to be a really healthy person. Uh, and and really balanced and I think that's good to know because I think it's it's this story I don't know whether or not it's justified in feeling this way but you know this story would be different the the conversation about this the lesson would be different if you were saying listen this was my wake-up call that I need to lose 50 pounds Mm -hmm. this was my wake-up call that I need to stop smoking like I think this story is more about um, about stress and kind of lifestyle. If you agree, let me know. But I just want to share that you're a very healthy human being, you know? Thanks. So this came as a real surprise to yeah, you. Yeah, it did. You know, I agree. And that's what, you know, I mean, my doctor looked at me and he said, you're young, you know, like you this is seems like a one-off, you know? And I said, I've been having some extreme personal stress, you know, recently. And also I had an upper respiratory illness that was going on for weeks that I was for the first time in my life. It really, if I couldn't be cured by an illness with ibuprofen or Gatorade and sleep and water, you know, Mm -hmm. it, it just, hadn't happened to me like there you know I I just was rarely ill but I had been having some upper respiratory stuff and taking some medications that have Sudafed in them um, which we think I created the perfect storm I'm surely sleep sleep deprived and at at some degree I mean my child isn't like you know a newborn the way he sleeps but I'm not like I said I'm not going to bed and closing my eyes and waking up seven to nine hours later fully rested, you know? Um, so I had some element of sleep deprivation, was taking medications with Sudafed, had some, an extreme, you know, personal stress situation compounded on just the normal everyday stressors of life. And I'm very happy to say that when I was pregnant, I was considered old because I was advanced maternal age at 39, but as an AFib patient, I'm considered young. So they were telling me that I was young, you know? (laughs) I mean, really being 39, 40 years old to have heart issues. Yeah, that's young. So it's, I love that they said, you know, this is a one-off and that you were able to look at this and look at all of the environmental factors um, and say, you know, this looks like a perfect storm. Not that it's something certainly that you created, not that it's something that you could have avoided because you had that stress in your life that you were experiencing. You have a child you might be up with once in the night, but it's all these things that you had to become aware of and then 
really decide, okay, how can I change this? How can I, right? Like how can I make different choices in my life, even with managing all the things that I do so that this doesn't happen because the awakening is I have an 18 month old, I'm only 40 years old. I'm a very healthy person. And again, you are the mothership, like the, you, your ship cannot go down. Mm-hmm. You, so important. You're so vital in your family's life. Um, but the bigger thing is like taking care of you for you, which I think we as moms don't do. We as women don't do. And they always say, put on your oxygen mask first before you help your children, before you help anyone else. And I always, as a child, I remember being in the airplane or even as a teenager thinking that was so counterintuitive. Like, what about me? You know, like, Mm -hmm. what about me? Like you need to help me. Um, But yeah, we need to put on our oxygen masks first and we don't. And so then extreme things happen like, God forbid, ending up in the ER for us to say, wait a second, like I'm not taking care of myself. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, um, so so I will, I have to add one correction in here. I will let you keep calling me 40, but I am 41 now. So, oh my gosh, you're so honest. I mean, I could let you, you know, you're just like we're 40 until we're 50 and then we're <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> good. Okay. So you're 40 wonderful. I'm, I'm 40 wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And cause it's more fun to say, you know, 40 wonderful. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. um, you know, I will say that when my husband, I just want to say when my husband came to the ER, he showed up with the book that I'm reading, which is our friend's book. Can I say it here? And of course, yes, yes. I'm reading our, our friend's book, half of what you hear. And my husband has just seen my nose like buried in that book every night when I get in bed. So I just really, you know, give props to him for bringing me my book. <laughs> I wouldn't have to be away from it. Yeah, he so- knew that I was going to, you know, be there. But, um, you know, as an aside, I was he had to leave the ER and I was sitting in my in the room and the nurse for some reason had asked if I wanted the light off and I said yes and I asked for an extra warm blanket and I was reading my book and I was like this is the most me time that I've had in two years and um that's too bad that we do that and I'll tell you that one of my very dear friends who I talk to every morning said, you know, you see those commercials at night about those rehab centers that just look so luxurious. And like, I kind of wish I just had a little addiction, just a little, just a little little baby addiction so that I can go away for a few couple of little days, you know, and I don't mean we have addiction in my family. So please not to take be on any of those things, but we need to, we need to see the humor and the fact that like, when, when they told me they weren't admitting me to the hospital, I'll be honest with you. I was like, kind of a little bit sad, but oh, you wanted a night to yourself in the dark with warm blankets, uh-huh. your book with people waiting on you, uh-huh. making sure you were okay. I don't blame you for a second. <laughs> and I think 
that's hilarious. And yet it's also like so cuckoo, like that we have to wish ourselves into the ER in order to get a moment of me time. Yeah. Bananas, yeah. bananas. And I don't, but I am not at all surprised that you felt that way. I didn't. And I've, I've, and I've since talked to another one of my physicians that I work with and we weren't even talking about that. And she brought it up that she wished she had a, a sort of traumatic eye injury that ended up being okay. But she was like fractured her cheekbone and all these things. And she said, she remembered sitting there thinking, I kind of wished it was something just minor. So I, you know, I wouldn't be worried about losing my vision as a physician, yes. you know, um, but it's it, it be cared for. Well, I mean, it's that, yes, it's unbelievable. And I think, I think it's so relatable, right? It's so relatable that, that we are not good at taking time for ourselves and taking care of ourselves and, and that it can not only cause our bodies to break down, but that we could actually find peace and joy in a traumatic situation that finds us in the hospital because we're being taken care of. And so, you know, we only have a a few minutes left here. So what I really want to hear from you is number one, are you okay? But number two, not, but number one, are you okay? Number two, what's the takeaway for you from this situation moving forward as you're continuing to live your life every day um, with the roller coaster that it is that we can all relate to of um, balancing a career, being a mom, being a wife, being a partner, being a family member, being a woman in the world. Like what's your takeaway? How are you treating yourself differently? So I am okay. Thank goodness. Um, I've stayed on one of my medications to kind of help with my feelings of stress. So fortunately this, you know, heart rhythm drug can be twofold. It can help with, you know, a little bit of anxiety as well. It's called a beta blocker. So I'm staying on my medication and, um, I am well, I will say my biggest concern is that little fear that, I feel like my, my vessel, you know, may have a little crack in it now, you know, um, I didn't before I just treated myself like you can take it, you can take all of it. You can always take all of it. And it was a, it was an eye opening experience that I may have a little crack. I may put a little mortar on there to, you know, kind of solidify it, but it it can't take it all. And you have, I have to, I have to give myself some mental space. I'm, I'm an extroverted introvert. I need some moments of thought to myself. Um, mm-hmm. I am making some changes to my diet that I realized, you know, really my meals were eating what was left over on Luca's tray and, you know, yeah. what I could get on the road because I'm in my car yeah. all the time. So just some sort of cognizant things that I know will help me to feel better. And I don't have, it's, it's incremental. I really feel inclined. I was always an exerciser of like hardcore type exercising, but I'm feeling called back to some yogi type, you know, (laughs) exercise or Pilates or walking, Mm -hmm. just something to give myself some 
mental headspace and say that's that's my plan and um and well that sounds really great that's good because those sorts of exercises and I'm right there with you right now and I've been talking a lot about this as you know but doing those things that are physical and mental the yoga um you know certainly we're all learning so much about the benefits of um meditation for our mind body spirit but I think you know I hope also that you can lean into as much as you can with an 18 month old and a career and a home and a husband and family and everything. I hope you can lean into, um, you know, listening to your body and taking time for yourself when you need it, whether it means like lying on your bed for 20 minutes and um, getting someone to play with Luca or, you know, putting him in front of something or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, giving yourself that grace to kind of, move more slowly when you need to. Yes. Because stress is a killer. And and I think as you get older, it's it's even more serious. Yes. And I mean to have a physician look at me and say, you know, that he does believe that this was related to my stress and, you know, probably those Sudafed meds. But I mean, because I had been off of the medicines for a week. So I mean really stress was the only remaining factor when I, I flung into the arrhythmia. So yes. And, and, and when you're in, when you're stressed, when you're, you're in the throes of it, you can't see anything outside of it. You know, it's like, it's kind of like depression, you know, you just can't see anything else than you're in a fight or flight mode and also, you know, physiologically and mentally. So, um, we just need to try our best to be aware and, do our best to take care. Yeah, that's so true. And I think it's, this is just a really, you know, important story. I'm sorry that it happened to you. It's the great irony of like, you know, the cobbler's children have no shoes and here you are taking care of people's hearts your whole life. And, and, and then your heart um, has an issue and it's, it's just, it's a reminder. It's a wake up call. It's, Um, it's these, I think these scary moments in our lives are gifts. I mean, this is a gift. This is like, you know, you, you have been given the child that you always dreamed of. He is a dream boat as is your husband and you are precious and, and they need you. The world needs you. And this is your moment to kind of look at things and say, how can I do different and better so that I can be here um, and and live your best life? Because you are so good at living your best life. And <laughs> you are like, you like wrote the book on living your best life. And I learned so much from you about that. Professional but, living, girl. Professional living. Seriously. I mean, I love it. Thank you. Just Even someone like Rainy Darling has a moment that says like, I got to stop and, and look at what I'm doing and kind of down um so i hate that i have to wrap this up but we do or we're gonna get cut off but i just want to thank you for um taking this time with me and i and sharing your story and i hope that you'll come back on and be a guest again because lord knows we have enough to talk about and laugh about i love you (laughs) we certainly do and i love you gracie and i can't wait for each new episode of your podcast because it makes me feel just to hear real life situations from people just makes everybody feel 
they're not alone in what they're going through. So thanks for being vulnerable and putting yourself out there for all of us. I love you. Thank you. That means the world to me. And thanks for being such a fan and a supporter and listening. And um, I can't wait to share this with our friends and with, with people it's going to help. And, um, and we'll just, we'll talk again soon. Okay. Okay. Have a great day. Have a great day. Everyone take some time for yourself. Okay. Bye. Bye.